Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. Hey guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema, the Twilight Zone series. We are finally up to episode number six, The Escape Clause. I'm your host, Jimbo, and joined with me today in the studio is none other than... 80s E. 80s E, Eric Cumming. We used to call him Easy E, but <laughs> that's a different story. Thanks for uh, having me back in. Yeah, uh, he's going to do a couple of Twilight Zones with us, so um, get some more content out. So, Eric, let's go and take it away. You know the routine. Escape Clause. This is episode six, of, six Excuse me of the Twilight Zone. Its original air date was November 6th, 1959. So going back a ways for this. It was directed by Mitchell Liaison. And the writing credits, of course, are Rod Serling, uh, written by and created by Rod Serling. And uh, on to the cast category, uh, Rod Serling again as the narrator, um, David Wayne as Walter Bedeker, Thomas Gomez as Cadwaller, or a.k.a. Uh, Satan, the devil, <laughs> uh, Virginia Christ- Christine Ethel Bedeker, Raymond Bailey, uh, played the Doctor, Wendell Holmes, Cooper, Dick Wilson played Jack, Joe Flynn as Steve, and Nedson Booth as the guard. I'm assuming that's the, the prison guard right. at the end. Um, the synopsis uh, for this episode was a hypochondriac man sells his soul to the devil for a thousand years of immortality. So <laughs> this this guy, man, uh, at the beginning of the movie... Or, the show man he's just in bed you know and he's just oh, i can't do anything you know and he's like the doctor's there with his wife again and he just, is just beyond help like the guy just is a hypochondriac he always thinks that he has 
something wrong with him, some ailment, some disease, and he's constantly being reassured by his wife that he's fine. And the doctor comes in and says, "I'm you, you got a clean bill of health. Everything's good. Your eyes, your ears, everything, everything. checks out. And you come to find out, well, I don't want to jump ahead, but this guy's anxiety uh, that he had all the time really was like his point for living if you can believe that like right. that was his whole reason for living was all of these ailments uh, made life i guess exciting for him maybe you could say or it gave him purpose uh, or or it gave him attention yeah you know what i mean yeah he's exactly attention getter I yeah guess you sure could say yeah that's a good way to say uh, it. you know and he's like oh open the window for me <laughs> i feel so bad for his wife oh, i mean man. she was like awesome what an the angel whole, i mean man and he just treats her horribly terribly through the whole episode, that she just really is genuinely concerned for his well-being, and obviously this guy has. But know, as it goes on, man, you got you just feel so bad for her because oh, he yeah. just yells at her, and and you know, it's like you know, she's like, "I'm sorry," you know, and he's like, "I don't want this. Close the door. Open the door. Cover me up. Don't cover me up." And then she's like, to the breaking point, you know, like, "I can't take it anymore." <laughs> yeah. It's so bad that the the doctor actually prescribes her vitamins to take because she's so exhausted from taking care of him. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, that guy plays a really great part. The the, the hypochondriac, yeah. you know, and, and you know he's got all these elements. Then you see him hop out of bed and he's yelling at her. You know, like I was like, well, if you're feeling that bad, why right? Are you? He has enough energy to yell at his wife, but you know he's so ill and so you know, yeah, and he couldn't even get out of bed, right? right. And then you know he, he goes over to the mirror and looks in the mirror. You know, he's checking his tongue and his eyes and his nose and all that, and. um He's just like, and then he seemed to like go back to the bed, and he's just like, uh... And this is an important line, too. I, I didn't mean to interrupt, no, but, no. like, as as the scene progresses, he, he's bemoaning the fact that his life... Why does a man's life... Why does it only last for 60 or 70 years? Why is it so short, and, you know, it, you're barely an infant, and your life is, you know gone, gone. In, in the blink of an eye and he's bemoaning the fact and then that sort of paves the way for Cadwaller <laughs> character to come yeah, in. Yeah, you see you're just sitting there and the, he appears in the room and he's like talking to him and he answers him and he's like, whoa, whoa, there's somebody in here. <laughs> yeah. So Cadwaller has a, uh, a proposition for him. Um, uh, you know, like the old Charlie Daniels song, he sells his sort of he sells his soul to the devil, right? The the this devilish character for was it a thousand years of immortality, right? Well, yeah. What's a five hundred? What's a thousand years? Uh, all he has to do in exchange for uh, basically never dying, he has to in exchange he has to give his soul to the devil, and then uh, you know they they banter back and forth and they hammer out this contract that Cadwaller ultimately pulls out and then he has that smoking stamp <laughs> he seals it. stamps it down once uh, Bedeker, Walter Bedeker signs his soul away to the devil and he thinks he's got it made now like he's never going to die he doesn't have to worry about being sick he could literally do anything and you know he's invincible basically and he does do some pretty crazy stuff too right. you know what I mean and that's uh, what's interesting too as, as the the show progresses. He what, what's he do? He, he he actually uses it to his advantage. He it's an insurance <coughs> scam. Remember, right. uh, uh, what was it? He fell off of a uh, jumps out the window or something. <laughs> he jumps in front of a train. Yeah. He uh, he drinks poison in front of his wife. That was one one thing he did. Uh, and I want to say, um, doesn't it get to the point where? Um, I think he jumps off the top of the roof or something. Tries to 
kill himself. Well, that, end, that's toward the end, and when his wife goes up there to stop him, you're getting toward the end of the the episode. But he has all these insurance guys coming to his apartment, and you know they're writing him checks to for settlement checks, basically because he jumps in front of the train, he gets hit by a bus. That was the other one, <laughs> and it. all these guys sort of parade into his apartment and. And uh, he writes that, you know, he signs these checks and he gets money because, I mean, he, he's using it to his advantage. But the whole time he's doing all this, he bemoans, again, the fact that he's bored. Life has become meaningless to him now because he's invincible. He doesn't have to worry about anything. And he's bored and with I, his and life. I, and I kind of wonder if if now that he knows that he has immortality, that the hypochondriac in his brain is saying, hey... You know, you have none of these elements anymore. Right, and I gotta find a way to get attention. Right, uh, and there, there's the part where he just jumps right off on the subway. You know, I just does Superman yeah. die right off onto the. Oh, thing. we missed the part where uh, right after he receives his immortality, he puts his hand on a hot radiator in in his bedroom, and it doesn't burn his right, hands. Right, and of course, his poor wife is just she ends up, uh, you know, paying the ultimate price. Right. This guy's foolishness. So there's where he jumps in front of the thing, gets ran over, and and uh, his suit and all that. You can see the marks on the back of his suit and everything. You know right. what I mean? Where the, the L train or subway has ran over him. Uh, he's like, I flipped over there or whatever. And then you see them guys come to give him more money. He's like, Well, we'll just give you, you know. Right. Here's the apartment alive. scene where the where the guys come in and they write him all the checks. And here's. He asks his wife for some ammonia, and he mixes it with like iodine and something else, and he drinks it down, and he says it tastes like lemonade, and his his wife is totally freaking out because he's just, according to him, he's drank enough poison to kill 12 men, and he says it tastes like lemonade. You kind of wonder, you kind of wonder what his wife's thinking at this point, you know what I mean? Like, what's going on? I mean, this guy... And then he has this great idea that he's going to go to the top of the the building, apartment building. I assume this is like in filmed in like New York or something. Right. And he's going to jump off the building for sport just to see what it feels like. And in an attempt to stop him from doing that, his wife is in front of him and she falls over the side of the building and obviously dies. The the, the camera angle on that kind of looks like um and I like how she screamed the, the, and the all angle. the lights light up. Yeah, yeah. And um, what was the movie uh, that you guys you guys did way back? Vertigo? Vertigo, yeah. The camera angle. That looks very similar to Vertigo. Right. And uh, so he goes, he proceeds to go down after his wife. He doesn't even seem to be bothered at all that his wife just fell off and just died. died, yeah. Because of him. And he, he actually very, calls and turns himself Yeah, he calls the cops here very casually and says, I've just killed my wife. He says it really matter-of-factly and... He doesn't seem too concerned at all. And so the police, you know, eventually come and arrest him. And I think the next scene is him in sitting in front of his lawyer. And uh, his lawyer gives him great news. Or no, I'm sorry. The lawyer, the, the death penalty in the state that he's in is the electric chair. And they have this conversation and he tells the, the lawyer, well, they're going to be wasting a lot of money on electricity trying to kill me in the electric chair because, you know, obviously he can't die. And so they have this little discussion and then they part ways, I think. And then the next scene, I think, is when they're in the courtroom and uh, his lawyer congratulates him because he has negotiated a deal where instead of 
the death sentence, he gets life in prison. <laughs> but that's worse than a death sentence for Walter Bedecker because he can't die. He's immortal. Know, he's gonna he's gonna rot in jail for thousands of years. And so the judge passes his sentence, and the next scene is him behind bars. Did you notice the judge's name? Yeah. Judge Cummings? Yeah, we have a same last name. <laughs> so the, the guard comes in and tells him he's going to be having his last meal before uh, he goes on to the penitentiary for life. And then the guard sort of tells him, hey, wh- what's the big deal? You can, What's 40, what's 45 years? You can do that, no problem. That's like a walk in the park. Yeah. And he tries, I guess, maybe to try to encourage him or give him some kind of hope. But... Bedecker knows better. It's not going to be just 40 or 45 years. It's going to be way longer than that, unless he uses his escape clause, a la the title of the episode, and he um, he tells the devil, or what a catwaller, I guess is his name in the, in the uh, episode, he tells him that he wants to exercise his escape clause, which means he dies physically, right. but his soul obviously is then taken by Catwaller. And so that's how the... And I, think he, comes, I think he dies of a heart attack or yeah, something. Yeah, Catwaller comes in and says, you look like a man who's going to have a heart attack. And then, of course, Bedeker dies right there in the in the jail cell. Yeah. And that's the, uh, end, that's of the end of the movie. The so they do come and check on him or whatever. Right. And then the, the guard says, this guy... Just drop dead. Yeah, and then you have Rod Serling, you know, give his uh, ending things. Um, he always gives something special at the end of the, the right. episode or whatever. A tagline at the end. Right. Uh, a little man was such a... Beaten by the, the devil. By some portal. <laughs> yeah. By the scheme of things in very, this. Uh, these episodes are they're very introspect, uh, introspectual, like sort of... Uh, you know they're so well written. Um, and a, and a, a Serling lot, was way ahead of his time. Well, I was gonna say a lot of things that he wrote and talked about is like about being on the moon and all. Right. We had never been to the moon yet. Right, or, and there's like an obsession with end of world cataclysms and self isolation as a theme. A the, lot in his episodes. A lot of uh, devil and heaven, God. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of that stuff. And I mean, it kind of goes with the times because you think about the the Cold War would have been going on in the 19, late fifties, and you know, atomic bombs and all the things you know that people were in, you know, really afraid of at it that just particular basically time. Basically, coming out of World War Two. Yeah, and he and he wrote to all of those. I think a lot of those fears that people were feeling, and sort of addressed them in the episodes. Right. So a couple of quick things about this: um, the cast includes two actors uh, best known for starring in long running TV commercials. Uh, Virginia Christine, who uh, was Mrs. Olson for Folgers Coffee. Oh. And Dick Wilson was Mr. Whipple for Charmin Bathroom Tissue. Yeah, I, did, I did read that one, but yeah. Yeah, squeeze uh, the Charmin guy. At the time this series first aired, it was commonly believed that a frequent cause of hypochondria was a desperate need to find something to occupy one's mind. Huh. A combination of boredom and a lack of imagination about how to counter that boredom. Several TV series of the time had episodes involving a one-of character whose hypochondria was cured by finding something else of interest to replace the hypochondria. Well, there you go. Uh, The title refers to a legal term, condition, or clause in a contract that allows a party to that contract to avoid having to perform the contract. The validity of the clause is usually limited by a time frame, i.e. 30 days or 72 hours, or subject to the satisfaction of the customer for delivered goods or services. So that's where the escape clause claimed for. 
Well, there you have it. That was episode number six, the uh, escape clause. Um, it's a good episode. Not one of my favorites. Not one of the best, it, but it's but pretty good. It does make you think. Introspective, yeah. Right. It makes you think about I, life and death. And- honestly, the Twilight Zone's great all the way through. Oh, yeah. Um, just they're short, quick, easy to watch. And it's on Netflix if anybody would like to watch it. Well, I think that's the wrap on this episode. We're going to uh, sit down and record another one or two. Um, that's a wrap on this episode. And cut. <laughs>